says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to an instant reaction edition of the tip sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me for what should be an absolute rip snorter uh, iteration of the podcast is my good mate 60s, who joins me live in the wake of a, a stunning, a pulsating, uh, I, I say thrilling, but maybe uh, cardiac causing two point victory over the Penrith Panthers in some of the highest quality football, highest stakes drama. We've seen bad calls, huge plays from both teams. It had it all tonight, mate. How are you holding up before we get into this game? Uh, I I don't know how logical I can be tonight, mate. It's, uh, that was uh, and quite an, an amazing win. The odds were absolutely stacked against the team in the first part of that second half. How they found the energy was just... Look, it was a sensational effort from the team, especially after last week, what we saw last week, where we rightly criticised the effort that was there. But that was a completely different team that turned up tonight. Um, magnificent win, and I think it was um, perhaps one of the best wins that you're going to see this season. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top the uh, the euphoric high of what happened tonight. Obviously, going deep into the finals is a separate matter, but in terms of the regulation season, it doesn't get much bigger than having an undermanned roster go into Penrith on a short turnaround from Darwin, where you got absolutely pantsed in torrid conditions and snap their uh, win streak at home, which was now rivaling that of the legendary 11-in-a-row St. George Illawarra team, or St. George Dragons back then before they merged, obviously. So... It sets the table for a very, very fun uh, edition of the po- of the podcast, of the tip sheet. So let's get right into it, mate. Parramatta Eels 22, defeating the Penrith Panthers 20. That uh, late try to Spencer Lenny, who certainly made those last couple of minutes real spicy. Uh, but for the Panthers, it was Dylan Edwards opening the scoring. Taylor May then getting a quick-fire double, followed by that aforementioned Lenny try. Nathan Cleary, thankfully, having a very rare bad day off the kicking tee, just two from four being the pivotal difference between the two teams, also missing an attempted two-point field goal at the end. Shout out to Nathan Brown for putting that kick pressure on. And also, Quentin Gufferson doing a great job reacting to the ricochet off the post, not to give away a line dropout. Uh, for the Eels, Quentin Gufferson started the scoring with that little uh, bit of genius from Will Penasini. Reed Marnie, Ryan Madison shattering the, the ankles of uh, Dylan Edwards with a fantastic little try in the 66th minute to get the Eels up in front. And then Dylan Brown icing the deal in the 6th minute uh, with a nice little follow-up on a, a ball that was allowed to bounce. Moses going 3 from 4, missing just his initial conversion. That would have been enough to make the difference between the two teams. Getting down to the team stats quickly, mate. Eels ahead on possession, which is kind of crazy when you consider the territorial advantage that the Panthers had for a huge portion of that second half. It felt like the first 25 minutes, it was just Penrith dominating territory and possession. I think, I, I, and just quickly, I think that period of time, uh, there was a period in both the first half and the second half where we managed to control possession quite well. And I think that's where that uh, the possession rate really started mm-hmm. to favour us. And no, so, su- yeah, no, no surprise that time possession equally favouring the Eels. Uh, it's a smidge over five minutes here uh, with Eels getting another outstanding set of completion rates here, 87%, 36 of 41. Uh, Penrith very solid, 78%, but obviously uh, being engulfed by the Eels uh, completion rate there. Uh, in a 
attack the key numbers favouring the Panthers. Not surprising they are a juggernaut and the form team of the competition. Uh, they were slightly ahead of Eels on post-contact metres, but behind on all run metres, so it was a bit of a wash there. They did have five line breaks, the Parramatta's two. Uh, a bit uh, sort of blown out by the end where they got a couple of uh, you know good runs against play with the early spreads. Uh, tackle breaks very close between the two teams, 29 the Panthers, 26 the Parramatta. Average set distance, pretty close between the two teams, surprisingly again given how much the Eels were struggling for traction early in that second half. But Penner for a tick under 44, Parramatta about 41.5 on the average set metres there. Uh, average play of the ball speed favouring the Panthers by about 0.15 of a second, 3.4 seconds to 3.55. Then you get to the other passing stats. Eels uh, more than doubling up on the Penner of Panthers when it comes to offloads, 19 to 8. And then we go through to kicks. Uh, Eels diffusing more effectively, and that was a, probably an important part in his game. Penrith allowed the ball to bounce a couple of times, and they really paid for it with that Dylan Brown try. Effective tackle rate, Eels back up to around 90%, which is what you want to see against any given team, but especially the Penrith Panthers. So 89.74% effective tackle rate. Panthers a shade under 87%, uh, with the Eels making... Uh, quite a few less tackles than the Panthers, which I suppose is reflected in that possession we mentioned earlier. But they got their missed tackles and ineffective tackles combined down to just 40 this week. 29 missed, 11 ineffective. Penrith, 31 missed, 30 ineffective. So it shows you how powerful those offloads were from the Eels, generating a lot of ineffective tackles and uh, creating those opportunities around the ruck that allowed them to push uh, their advantage on the scoreboard. In terms of errors, Penrith nearly doubling up the Eels 9-5. to five. Uh, They conceded three times as many penalties Eels, 6-2. to two. Uh, ruck infringement, so the Eels did concede two to one, uh, and both teams not using their full quota of interchanges, which is kind of wild. Penrith using seven, Parramatta using six, but I show, I suppose, it shows that in these big, big clashes, you're trusting your starting thirteen and your core rotation forwards, I suppose, uh, more than necessarily the entire bench. Yeah, so it, those stats, as you say, there's there there are times, well, there's certain stats there that seem to belie what we were seeing out on the field in terms of the uh, pressure points during the game. But um, let's let's break it down from uh, as close as we can from uh, start to finish there, mate. It was uh, not the best start for the Eels. No. Uh, I mean, the, the, the intent was there. It felt like the energy was there. There was a really nice defensive play from Bowie Simonson and Will Penasini that uh, forced the Penrith Panthers into touch, but then we dropped the ball, I think, uh, so yeah, it wasn't a flashy start, and we let the Panthers dictate the flow early on. But then, like you're saying, we sort of we got our way back into it. Yeah, it was it was obvious that the the match plan was uh, turning the ball back on the inside, coming in behind the ruck, changing the angles, that sort of thing. And it seemed like the first five to ten minutes, maybe we weren't following the the game plan. There seemed to be uh, some early shifts which had me worried because that yeah, was not we, we spoke be the way we spoke about it last game. week going sideways before you earned the right to play direct but it, it feels like after those initial hiccups and I suppose you could argue that late in the game we also had a shift that probably wasn't necessary uh, on tackle free to Will Penasini but it feels like we we went back to what defines Parramatta football you know real smash mouth powerhouse stuff with a, a dominant forward pack allowing not necessarily just your spine but playmakers across the park we saw in this game Will Penasini, Sean Lane being used as different fulcrums to mix things up and allow uh, and prevent the Penrith Panthers sorry, from cheating or keying in to Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown and putting them under undue pressure. Yeah. Um, so we fall behind early, mate. Then 
then we're we're clawing back. Um, key moment: the penalty try. Yeah, well, and this one, I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be divisive or controversial. I think the very fact that Reed got within, you know, a, a B's, uh, you know, what of the try line probably probably uh, helped the uh, both the umpire or umpire, the referee and the video referee uh, make the the I suppose logical follow up that if Jay, was it Jamin Salmon, uh, it was Jamin Salmon. Yeah. I was about to say. What was Jamin Salmon thinking yeah, was in the, that moment? The big bear hug on Reed before he'd even got the ball. And the fact it, was, that- it was like he, he must have thought he was down at the pub and the, there's there's Reed. Reed, I haven't seen you for ages. <laughs> Come here, mate. But yeah. Uh, it, it just it, it was it, it just made absolutely no sense what he was doing yeah, because it, it's it a real was head so scratcher. that um look, I think that was if there was any debate. I, I can't see that there'd be any debate over that because it was as straightforward as you can get. No, because for, Dylan Edwards had committed to Sean Lane, right, uh, who was the, yeah. the ball runner there, and the nice little inside flick pass comes, and even with that early attention, Reed still gets within centimetres of the line. And I suppose that, you know, it's good. I mean, we're going to we're gonna put him on blast in a minute. But it was good to see, at least in that particular instance, a logical thought process from both the main official and Ashley Klein, the video ref. So it was Sutton and Klein in conjunction there, you know, coming to the you know the the process that yes, he nearly scored with a guy dra- draped all over before he got the ball. So it stands to reason that if he'd had that fraction or half a second before initial contact, he probably gets over pretty easily. So good good to see that there. But on the flip side, you talk about potential turning points. Whoa, following that try. Before half time, I I don't know if eyes are painted on what what is happening, but Viliami Kikau, there, there was talk about him being man of the match, and I suppose maybe you got to convince or got to give him props to being man of the match. If you can convince three officials and the video ref that you didn't drop the ball cold, then you're doing something pretty special. I think we can all excuse moments where something isn't seen by one official, but. I've seen far too many occasions this year across all grades where a blatant error occurs right in front of the sideline official who completely misses it. Now, you could see in the uh, action as the as the play was rolling that uh, Sutton had put the his whistle to his lips to his mouth and must have been overcalling. Yet he was looking for the call. He had the he had the whistle up to his mouth. He was looking to the sideline official looking for the call. When the call didn't come, he's allowed play to roll on because he, he's obviously thought, look, I must be seeing things. Now, um, you'd have to think that in that instance, you know that a team has a challenge up their hand, up their sleeve, right? So the referees, if he thinks he sees that knock on, he should be calling it because it's it's a stoppage in play. It gives the, the uh, team that has been wronged the chance to... Uh, go for their um, captain's challenge. And I know you probably shouldn't, as a referee, you probably shouldn't be thinking about those things. But let me just say, I think what they should be thinking is call what you see. Just call mind, what you see. You, and it was obvious that he saw something. The captain's challenge is a whole other nest of hornets that we probably shouldn't delve into. But last week, the Cowboys allowed to retain their captain's challenge after a fairly obvious knock-on on the bicep. Uh, is ruled to be inconclusive. This week, Hayes Perham has about uh, six sets of Panthers' arms around the ball and it pops out in a, in a tackle that was deemed to be completed 
that the that the bunker overlooked in that when it was referred, and we don't get to retain a challenge on in like uh, what's it called inconclusive grounds. So that that in itself is a whole mess. But yeah, that process that led to Viliami Kikau being able to drop the ball cold and scoop it back up is just insane. I mean, wh- why do we have touch judges? Oh, mate! Oh, look, <laughs> you, you know my thoughts on on sideline officials. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I let them know every week that uh, they're not fulfilling their duties as expected. But um, you know, this this again was another example where you just think, how on earth is that possible? That the sideline official was two to three meters away from that drop ball and and still missed it. And you know. I, he can't even think that it was a knockback. I mean, the the balls clearly come out of the hands, and um, yeah, it's just been completely missed. But and, you know, I'm glad that we're not and two tackles I'm glad later. That we're not talking about that as as the match defining. Well, it's moment just as well because two tackles later, Tywin Tywin uh, Young May scores in the corner after. A, admittedly, it was an outstanding kick from Viliama Kikau. Um, oh look, you, you know you. If, if you're talking about a, a player tonight who just showcased a range of skills and power, that was kick out. I mean, that was. I'd go so far as to say that was one of the best games. Yeah, the, the that numbers I've aren't seen incredible in terms of run meet. It's just a hundred and something, like just over a hundred meters. But he had the little deft touch of that kick. He had the tip on the Taiwan May as well. He had some incredible and and all, in the first half some real aggressive defense. You know, he was well, out, that's, out yeah, there going blow for blow of Junior Barlow. Uh, the charge down? Yeah, the charge down, yeah. And he nearly had another one too. So he was out there hustling uh, and doing some good stuff. And, you know. Um, now, sorry. You go. No, oh, no I was just going to. I was just going to. Uh, no, if you've got something to say about kick out, go on with kick out. No, it, was, it was just fascinating to see. I mean, the, the second half was still high quality, but that first half was really. The, the sort of part two of what we saw in that sudden death final up in Queensland, it was absolutely brutal. Both teams just going hammer and tongs, consistent big hits, line speed to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if you go back on tape and you see both teams have been in in a grey area. But obviously the referee allowed them, after some calls both ways in terms of penalties early on, he allowed them to play. Uh, both teams just going out so aggressively, so much intent and, you know, it really was a spectacle, and I bet you there's some uh, power brokers in the NRL thinking, "Well, how do we get these two teams to play more often? Like, is there yeah. a way? Is there a way of you know redoing the draw so it's not just two games a season?" Yeah, well, um, it, we know that there should have probably been um, maybe another clash last year, uh, given that we uh, we should have been bumped them. Well, no, that was, no, no, it was no, sudden that, death. That was right. No, yeah. that, that, them. Yeah, exactly. Them. That would have been sudden death of us progressing yeah. to the Melbourne Grand Final qual- uh, to play Melbourne Grand Final qualifier. Yeah, so yes, Correct, they, yeah. They, they would like us, I suppose, in the finals to have a, a first a first round clash, and then the other one rising through the bottom or the losers bracket to meet in the grand final. But yeah, this what? this I, mean, I, I don't know about obviously the palpitations were going through the roof in the second half. Penrith came out really fired up. Parramatta were getting what twenty meters, maybe thirty meters a set. Uh, really, just grinding. Now, no, sorry, just just before we get on to the second half, uh, my fault. I should have mentioned that play by Will Penasini to set up uh, the Eels' first try to Clint Gutherson because who would have expected him on the fifth tackle 
to take a charge at the line and then produce the flick yeah, pass. Yeah, he, he sort of barreled, barreled into the defenders, realising that it was Kikau that was down, that had gotten the eye poke from uh, May uh, by accident. Yeah. So he realised there was an opportunity to go the short side, but also had the wherewithal to realise that he was going to power over from that situation with the defence getting back just in the nick of time. So he disengages and just flicks a perfect backhand offload to Clinton Gufferson, who just slides over. And uh, Guffer probably could have you know gone in a few more metres maybe, but just getting the try down is obviously huge against Penrith. Uh, you know, such a, such a huge moment. And then the fact that the broadcast obviously mentioned it, if you're watching on Fox, I don't know if it was on the Channel 9 broadcast, but uh, they were talking about how it's the first time the Panthers have allowed uh, back-to-back tries, like a, a try and a try for kickoff set uh, this year. Uh, or just a try off a kickoff set this year, so what a shame for them. Yeah, well, you know, sh- some crocodile tears obviously in play right now, but you know, snapping the the home streak, bringing an end to their unbeaten run in the twenty twenty two season. There is there are so many little victories within the big win here, but yeah, getting back to that second half, mate. Uh, Penrith just came out and were dominating. I don't think there's any other way of putting it. Deals had gone to their bench rotation, and I think that Penrith. We spoke about this in the preview. Right now, without Murata without the other resources in this team, the, the Panthers probably had a deeper bench than us. And I thought that, uh, as he has done the last two weeks, Madison continued to be outstanding in the middle. He was consistently the only forward in that early, or the third quarter, I suppose you put it, but the early exchanges that second half that was finding the advantage line and falling forwards. And I thought he did outstanding there. But the the Eels just absorbed the pressure. And that's that's the big thing, is that the the Panthers would have put on quite a few tries against some other teams, I think, in that. Uh, in that sequence, and the fact that it took a, a really lovely tip on from uh, Viliami Kikau to get Taylor May over for his double, and that was it. That's all they got, just the four points, no conversion uh, during that entire sequence was huge. And yeah, and then we saw the the change come out when the, the big men came on, and it wasn't instantaneous because Penrith was still aiming up, but you just saw Junior Bolo, Abalo, uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Azai Papali, and Ryan Madison, when he made that shift to the left edge too, just put the Eels back into this game. And they just put their heads down and ground away. And the numbers back it up. I mean, I think at the end of the first half, we, the Eels had, no, it was well into the second half, they, they flashed up their meterage stat and it was all Penrith. I think Junior was the only player on the Eels team that was there. And I think he had like 80 meters. And he finished the game with nearly 200. Reg went for nearly 150. Azai went for over 180. Brownie, 130. Ryan Madison, nearly 170. The, these guys just found that gear in the championship moments to take the best team in the competition, the fittest team in the competition, coming off that short recovery and and just took them to a place where they couldn't get, go to, which is real. I mean, it's really surprising, but obviously very happy to be surprised that way. Well, mate, the, the simple question I'd ask you is, when that period of Panthers domination was happening at the start of the second half, did you think that the Eels had that energy in them? Oh, to I, be I, was, able I was concerned to, about, to I mean... Back. Voss talked about the fact that teams backing up from Darwin have a shockingly great record. I think it was 4-0 and uh, in recent times. Uh, I don't know how far back he was tracking. Obviously, maybe, I assume, four years or uh, maybe two years because it's the Eels and their opponents. But the concern for heavy legs was real, right? We were coming off an absolutely torrid game. The Cowboys ran us off the park. We were obviously, you know, struggling. And yet, in this game, we it was you could almost put the Rocky soundtrack to that second half. It was Ivan Drago just, you know, punching the ever-loving shit 
out of the you know out of Rocky for round after round through those mid rounds, and you know just refusing to go down was the Eels, and they just sucked it up and sucked it up, and you you have that music turn from being pressing and and distressing to starting to be uplifting as the, as the Eels find their tempo and start counter punching and counter punching, and suddenly they're not the one they're the ones knocking the the heavyweight down to the ground. Like seriously, it's, it's almost a Rocky script. Can I, can I can I just interrupt there because. You're starting to drop some four-letter words. I think I might end up on the on the Instagram uh, post when I'm letting people know that the podcast up. I might have to put a parental advice. It's, it's a PG thirteen plus. It's a PG thirteen plus episode. It's there's no there's no hard swears, but yes, I, I did I did slip up a little bit there. Sorry to anyone that's listening. Uh, but yeah, I like I said, oh, no, it, mate. You, you could they they punch the ever-loved shit out of him. Yeah, it, it, had a, it had a real rocky script to it, this game. Like, almost, you know, Hollywood-style, Sloan-style, you know, underdog, just getting back up off the canvas time after time and just absorbing the blows to the point that the opposition, the heavyweight, had overextended themselves. And the Eels just found that gear, and when they hit go, they, they were the ones that had enough to get home. It was just a crazy game. I mean, and once again, 22-20, that shows you how good the Penrith Panthers are. It feels like if the Eels yeah. applied that amount of diligence to any other team except maybe the Melbourne Storm, you're winning by double digits, double digits easy. Yeah, yeah. Now let's talk about how sweet Maddo's try was. The just the uh, the way that it was that that Maddo was put through that space by Gutherson, mm-hmm. but then the step, just oh. that confidence. That he put on Just Dylan Edwards plants the left foot and exploded off the ground, and and Dylan Edwards he hadn't overcommitted, he, he hadn't you know shot across and covered defense and given himself no hope. But Gufferson Gufferson's lead up work to Madison allowed the big man to just like I said plant that left foot, and then he knew straight away he was through. And then that rear angle shot on the broadcast is Gufferson's like he's celebrating before Madison's even scored the try because he knew how big it was. And then Madison yeah. slams the ball down, gets up and pounds his chest. It was like I said, that that's when the Rocky music starts to hit, hit a crescendo. There, you know, that's that's when you know the the comeback is real. And yeah, it, it was a huge moment in this game. And I thought, you know, we, we talked about the the spine being passive last week. Uh, I think this was a really interesting game. A really, if you go back and look at the tape, because I don't think that Moses or Brown really overplayed their hands this game. I think they weren't passive, but they weren't trying to overexert themselves and force to play. They let the game that they didn't let the game just flow away from them, but they were also never trying to forcibly dictate the flow of it. And they let the game sort of come and go. Moses focusing on his clearing kicks and Dylan getting some good attacking kicks in. But I think that Gufferson had one of his better games this week. He had a really yeah, nice so maybe maybe the word that you're looking for is composure. The yeah, sort of composure absolutely composure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know I spoke about Mitch probably needed to be the MVP of the win, but instead, like like I said in that first half, we saw really interesting attacking structures where we deliberately went away from the, the main playmakers in key moments. We went to Sean Lane a lot. We went to Will Penasini, or, or Will Penasini almost forced. We made himself the option. And and I don't think Penafer were expecting it. It was just that little bit out of left field thinking from the Eels that kept the Panthers imbalanced. And then when the game came to the big moments, obviously we went back to our main playmakers. We spoke about Gufferson going to Madison, Mitchell Moses putting up the kick. That I found it really cool how he was choking up his kicks. If you notice that, the commentary were being critical of him early in the first in the second half, but it almost feels like it was a deliberate tactic to put some doubt into the mind of Dylan Edwards, who really didn't want a piece of him. 
and it was it wasn't the only kick he let bounce. And Dylan Brown was able to pounce on that last one. And uh, you know, I think if it, thankfully, I think maybe only Dylan and maybe Cameron Munster are probably the two five eights big enough and powerful enough to uh, roll through the big hit that Brian Toto got onto Dill on the try line there and score. But thankfully, Dill was one of those two candidates to get the ball down. So. Yeah, that, that was really, really well played from our spine. I thought Reed did a good job this game. A couple of darts out of dummy half. There was one moment where he got bailed out by Moses. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking, running the ball in the last and getting captured, but we ended up getting a line dropout out of it. So, But yeah, really, really nice to see the halves, the spine, uh, play a really composed and heady game without being too forceful. And the fact that we had a plan for that. We had other fulcrums in our attacking structures this week. What, what was evident watching the game was that for 95% of the match, you'd have to say that the players out on the field were following the game plan. Yes. Yeah, huge. Huge. Even when the Panthers were dialing up the pressure in that third quarter to open the second half, uh, the Eels didn't stray away from the game plan. And what a difference it makes. Um, now, one one amusing moment, however, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily so amusing as it unfolded uh, when Dylan Brown was uh, going over for his try, and there was that moment where you could see that he wasn't aware no, of where Brian yeah. Toto was, yep. and and you could there was just that sense for a moment that Toto might have that strength to like, like I said, push I, him back field. Think about NRL five eighths who are out there, like the, the frontliners. I, I honestly think I'm as quickly going through now. Oh, Jack White, too, if he's healthy as well. Uh, but mate, did like for a moment, when you saw that ball fly out. Oh, had, had he bounced it? Yeah. <laughs> Especially because... Oh, well, my thought was that he'd slammed the ball down on someone's leg. And then roll, like, lost, lost control of it, yeah. yeah. And the fact that the camera angle was the one that was like the blindsided one with the Penrith Panther defender in the way. But uh, the fact that I was concerned with the fact that Dill got up so assured, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. And thankfully, yeah, <laughs> he got it down. But yes, uh, I mean, Brian Tottle did a fantastic, fantastic job to be there and cover defense uh, after the ball was uh, allowed to bounce. And like I said, Munster, Whiten, and maybe, and, and obviously Dylan, I think they might just be the only five apes in this game. Uh, Frontline five eight is big enough and powerful enough to have scored in that context because Toto laid out a great hit. He made really strong contact. Now, mate, as we, as we get closer to um, wrapping up our our takes on this match, uh, my one criticism, well, my one major criticism of this match was when we went that shift on the second tackle with just over three minutes left to play, when all we had to do was just to keep the ball down at that end of the field, complete the set, maybe roll it into the in goal or turn the ball over to them in the corner. And instead we go for the the big play. And there, there, I, and there is some fascinating psychology behind this though because I don't mind the killer instinct. I don't mind going for the knockout blow there. Like I said at the start of the show, I would have preferred it to be on the fourth or fifth. But also that entire sequence of play comes back to a penalty, sh- uh, penalty we had in front. To We could have elected to take the two and take 60 seconds off the clock, but instead we got through a full set, got the, the reset on tackle six of the deflected kick, and then went through half another set. So we probably ended up burning about two minutes a clock. So I think the process was right, 
But yes, the, just the pulling the trigger like that. And I know if Will catches the ball, he probably scores because I think that Luai had overshot defensively and it meant that he could have just rolled through the cover tackle from the, uh, I think it would have been the edge, the edge forward there. Uh, but yes, it, it was frustrating in the context of that game because then Penrith obviously counter-punched with an early shift to the right and then some second-face football down the left, which eventually led to the six again when Junes dropped the uh, the bomb, uh, which then led to Lenu, was it, or, or Leota? I'm not sure. Was it Lenu, wasn't it? Yeah, Spencer Lenu scoring. But yeah, the... I think the process right up until that moment was cool. But, yeah, we, we definitely tried to shoot our shot too early. Yeah, and and for me, and this is maybe just my mindset, but for me, finishing a team off, um, having that killer instinct, in that instance, is actually strangling them. Like just giving them um, no hope of getting out of their end of the field. And... Um, and whilst I can see uh, maybe a shift towards the end of the play, which uh, in the end of the set, which might mean a turnover in the corner, um, there was always the risk of the ball going to ground and you know them picking the ball up and going the length of the field. I, I just don't like the ball being put out in the air um, out wide where your own defensive numbers are low and. You know, you you're gonna you should be winning anyway, but you're simply providing an invitation with a play like that. So that's just me. That's just uh, my take on it. Now, um, I think we ought to get into our uh, three, two, ones. Oh, geez. Good, <laughs> Good luck. luck with this, mate. Good luck, Good luck yeah. with this. Um, okay, see, it's a this is a hard take. Um, I'm probably going to have to go with Gutherson. From a three. One line break, one line break assist, a try assist, plenty of run meters, some real tidy work at the back, including, I know it didn't end up saving the try because uh, Taylor May got his first, but that was an absolutely brilliant cover tackle on Nathan Cleary uh, before the first half expired. Yeah, Guffer was a worthy recipient for three points. Man, Ice got through 80 minutes of quality work. Junes was fantastic. In that second rotation, Madison again outstanding. He's not going to get my three points, but I do want to shout out Bailey Simonson, who continues to just be fantastic. He he's yes. just, uh, he's become safe as houses under the high ball. Curry went his way with some absolutely disgusting uh, top bombs. He caught them all and returned really strongly. Um, he's not not a try scoring machine for us by I think circumstance more than anything else. But yeah, very good. My three points, jeez, mate. Hang on, hang on. Can I can I um, break the rules this week? I mean, this this ben, is the sort of historic. I, yeah. yeah, this is. Uh, you know what? If you're going to beat Penrith and and ruin the streak and and have all those little you know cool caveats to the win, maybe we can allow the uh, rules to be bent just a little bit. Okay, four three two one this week. Four three two one. You know, it's lucky that this doesn't actually tally towards anything important at the end of the season. We just give out end of season awards as a general thing. So let's do it. Four three two one. Yeah, so four to Guffo. Four to Guffo for you? Yeah. I will go the uh, the very special four points. Man. Oh, I'm struggling here. Let me just go. I'll go quickly have a gander at one other stat here. As we try and field the dead air with anything but me making ums and ahs and you knows. 
Well, I tell you what, I'm going to go through my three, two, one from oh, there yeah, while you're, you're having to think about it. Okay. It. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to go uh, three to ice. Yep. Two to Maddow. And one to Junior. One to Junes. Okay. I think I'm going to give ice my four. I think just the fact it was a epic battle, an epic toss between him and Kikau throughout that match. Played the full 80. Uh, just not just a workhorse, but there was a couple of moments in that second half where he should have been exhausted. Instead, he's dragging three and four Panthers to the goal line. So I'll give the uh, the rugged edge back row my four points. Three points. Yeah, maybe I'll just I'll flip your points there and give, give Guffo my three. This is exactly the sort of game we love to see from him. Uh, not overplaying his hand, but taking those opportunities when they come. When he jumped out of dummy half on the last and had that nice little kick ahead to get the the line dropout. Uh, you know, that clinical work at the back, backing up through the, the middle and on the edges. Um, safe, safe as a house under the high ball. So really, really good game from our captain. And then the two and the one. Whew. Two and the one. I mean, Junes, Maddo, Maddo, Junes. Maybe I'll go Junes, uh, Junior, and then Madison. So, Ice. We've both covered the same four players. I mean, I thought Reg was good too. I already gave a shout out to Bailey. He's a very strong honorable mention. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, Sean Lane had some really nice moments in this game too. The numbers aren't. And Lane is a bit like that at times. The numbers aren't amazing, but he just has these moments, you know, stuff that a lot of other back rollers can't do. And that's why even when he has the odd wart, you know, you sort of bear with it because just up against the best team in the competition, he's making a difference. But I thought, are, Lane, you, are you describing some games as a wart of a game? Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much that, this year. I, I, I think don't that, know if I've heard that. I don't know if I've heard that. Uh, rugby league terminology <laughs> breaking new ground a here of the game. I, yeah, oh, look, I think that can be a TCTism. There we go, a TCTism, a fortyism. But yeah, you know, I, I thought even though the numbers weren't incredible, it's, you know, seven runs, sixty-two meters, plus a stack of tackles. You know, he, he had really quality touches. Brownie was good too. Uh, but yeah, Matt, Matt, man, look at those numbers of matters off the bench. Just Macker, yeah, Macker, and Macker and not even combined having the same impact as Maddo off the bench. Uh, I think we, we, we've given him his juice for a couple of weeks now, but he is just, you, you can see the difference between a Madison clouded by concussion issues and injuries and a Maddo that can just play free and without those concerns. He is a completely different player. He, this is a representative caliber football we're seeing for Ryan Madison. And I know the Blues are completely stacked, but if he keeps playing like this, he'll be in the outside conversation for sure. So yeah, I think our four three two one are the same but different in terms of order, and I think that's probably the the most deserving guys on the field. Now, uh, before we finalise, I I've been getting little snips of um, notifications coming up from Twitter and um, other social media, and there was one there that was directed at you, and and it had something to do with you changing your tip. Yeah, I backflipped. I, I said on the podcast, I backflipped. Yeah, and, but still being held accountable for your for your first tip. I mean, fair, fair play, but I, I did I, – you, you put me on the line and said, well, you kind of tip both ways. Which way are you going? I said yeah, – that's true. Yep, that's true. But, I mean, it, I, I absolutely, in the, in the court of public opinion, I, I do have to be judged on the fact that I did backflip, and I will own that. 
But I, I also want it to be noted that I backflipped to the Parramatta Eels, not away from the Parramatta Eels, which I think makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that we were um, terribly accurate when it came to the scores, although I think I did tip a two-point you were, win. You were 18-16, I was 19-18, and I went yep. ice first try scorer, and you went... Did you I think I went Guffo. Guffo, I? I think you... you if you went, you either went Guffo MVP or Guffo first try scorer, uh, and I, I'm feeling like you said Guffo first try scorer. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I did. Uh, I don't. Does that does that count? Are we just tipping the Parramatta first try scorers? Um, Can I claim I, I'll, that? I'll give you. I'll give you half a point, whereas I get the full point for the Dylan Brown tip against the Dragons. Okay. So right, right. Keep, keeping tally on the season, I've got the half point lead on you. Well, mate, I, I, I came good on the punting tip as well. I. I said uh, take the four dollars thirty for eels head to head because that was just too sweet to ignore. Well, so, the, the uh, line the line had blown out to what uh, I think it was even like four and a half. Not the line, sorry, the head head had blown out to like four and a half. Oh well. Hopefully, there's some people who decided to uh, get on with the weight of opinion from uh, and, TCB, and especially you know we had all that positive. Uh, vibe that was coming through from Spiro on the uh, preview podcast. So um, uh, our our opinions were 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 starting to head towards Parramatta, whereas earlier in the week it was probably Penrith. And I will say, and because I, I I did say it at the uh, during the podcast, it was a very very positive vibe at Eels training you, through you the week. You did shout it out, yeah, you, and that's why you felt so confident going for the Parramatta upset. Uh, and that, yeah, that was a big you, part of the reason why it, I flipped. Yeah, they just didn't – they didn't look like they'd played up in Darwin. They, It, it was like – it was run as a real freshen-up session mm. and the players responded that way. Um, I thought it was – I thought it was a clever change-up of training. And, um, yeah, the – the players really responded and I'm it was so good to see the eels bounce back like they did and I mean it's there are elements that are that, that are a concern that we continue to play to the level of the Absolutely. opposition um because a performance like tonight doesn't lose to the tigers a performance <laughs> like tonight probably gets a lot closer against the Cowboys, you'd yeah. have to say. Yeah. Um, a performance like tonight probably takes the Sharks. So yeah, and I was actually yeah. going to phrase this in a just you know completely unrelated, simply just a similar track of thought. I was going to phrase it saying, looking at the ladder, nine rounds in, you're six and three. Looking at our draw, that's not an unreasonable. Like if you, without the knowledge that we have now, or four rounds with the knowledge you know of the season, if you said when the draw was out and you're looking at our scheduling. Six and three is not the worst outcome because you had Melbourne and Melbourne, you had Penrith and Penrith coming off Darwin, and you know you'd figure maybe just one of those other games, whether it wasn't Darwin, to the only team that's ever beaten us there before, or you know the uh, the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, who else do we have? The, the Dragons are a little bit of an unknown too. Yeah, the Titans up in the Gold Coast. So there's like the fact that you could, or even like the Newcastle Knights, who've been a bit of a bogey team for us in, in the recent years. The, it, there was a possibility of us dropping one game. So the six and three outcome is not the worst going back in time there, but it, it also makes it that much more frustrating, doesn't it? Because we've beaten the two best teams in their home stadiums and with you know some uh, serious handicap stores, especially with the Penrith game. Uh, 
But yeah, we could have been that much better if we'd just been a little bit more dialed in. But still, it's a good springboard to go into the midway point of the season. Well, there's not going to be too many teams that will be able to boast at any point in the season that they had beaten both the Storm and the Panthers. In their home and, home fortresses, yeah. yeah. Let alone and, just beating uh, them at all. The, the the You know, there's two ways of looking at it. I, I look at six and three as a par performance on my expectations mm-hmm. from the draw yep. without, you know, like with, with what I might have expected, you know, I might have expected a, a 6-3 or a 7-2 record at this point in the season. Um, and yet having those wins over the Panthers and the Storm maybe makes it slightly above par. And then, then, I, then I look at what <laughs> the, then, those So you, you, you bump it up and then okay. you bump it down. Yeah, exactly. So maybe yeah. I think it's – it's I. Uh, as frustrating as the losses to the Cowboys and especially the Tigers, I think that the Cowboys had a little bit more of extenuating circumstances given the the conditions, the fact that the, the Cowboys are a far better team than anyone gave them credit for prior to 2022, and the fact that I think the injury toll just sapped us. I, I think that was just a, a, a momentary breaking point for the club. Uh, I think that on the balance of things, you take those wins against the Melbourne, the Panthers, and you just put them in the bank and you say, we're ahead. You, you, that that is psychological, you know, ground being made. That is stuff for the finals that is going to be important, and and that is just stuff for the character of the team that is huge. And as much as those losses would would hurt the boys and the hurt fans, the fact that you can be the only team probably in, when the season is said and done, the regulation season that is, that is going to have knocked over both those two teams is huge. Well, it was said to me through the week, at our best. We can win the premiership, but it's a matter of are are we going to turn up and get our best when and it matters, or, exactly. or as often good. And we we touch on this topic a lot, not always directly, sometimes indirectly, uh, and sometimes on different facets. But we've spoken about how Brad Arthur has built a team that is possibly the best team when it comes to taking it to the Melbourne Storm and Penrith Panthers. Look at recent results. Even though we haven't necessarily won all of them, we've pushed Penrith hard. Hard, hard, hard. Outside of one uh, result where we were down on troops in 2020, and then obviously the team that we ran out that was ostensibly our reserve grade team, it's been really tight affairs. And we, we've got three in a row against Melbourne. We are built to beat the two best teams in the competition. The question is, can these boys just find that level of consistency against the, not necessarily the also-rans, but just the other guys? And mostly we do, but then just we've had a couple of lapses this, this year so far that have been frustrating. But... The fact that you're getting the results against those two teams show that uh, for perhaps the most important part of the process that it's working. And you can certainly iron out the kinks on the other side, but getting those points on the board against Melbourne and Penrith should not be undersold. It is huge. Well, mate, it's um, there's nothing sweeter than having a Friday night victory oh, the way- in a match as, as you roll into the weekend. Yeah, exactly. I had it. I had it said to me on Monday, uh, bumped into a former player up at the uh, local shopping centre, and I had my Eels jacket on. And this was this was on um, on Monday, and he said, "Your game wearing that, mate." And I <laughs> said to him, "These these are the times exactly when I wear the colours after a after a bad loss." Well, there's no qualms about uh, wearing the oh. colours this week. I could almost guarantee when I go up to the uh, local shops this weekend that there is going to be no shortage of Eels supporters wearing their colours 
getting around this week. There's a lot of us that couldn't get tickets to the game this weekend. Um, it was good to see and hear the parachute. Yeah, going up in the second half. Yeah, Penrith Park. Um, it, it's a delight to hear the Panthers crowd silenced and um, them resorting to booing the ref as the uh, as the officials <laughs> left the field. Um, it was much the same as uh, what I witnessed up in the, uh, in the pre-season when we defeated them in a trial at Penrith Park. It was um, a lot of dissatisfaction with officials and looking for excuses, et cetera, et cetera. You made a great point about the colours too because I didn't take my colours off throughout Stephen Kearney and Ricky Stewart tenures. I didn't take them off when the salary cap stuff happened in 2016. You, you, with, you know, when I know that it can be very tribalistic and and it, sometimes people get a bit alienated because of it. But you know, you, you pick these teams and you're with them right or die. So the fact that you have a bad loss in Darwin, everything we've been through as para fans, why would we? Why would we be ashamed to wear the colours <laughs> after one bad loss? It's uh, yeah, abs- absolutely, mate. Yeah, so. so- uh, a great a great weekend coming up, mate, and um, we're heading to uh, Magic Round. Yeah, Magic Round, and we're taking on, if i got the draw in front of me. The Roosters, the isn't Roosters, it? The Roosters, yeah. So, I mean, this is a game that, once again, when the draw initially came out, you would have been like, well, all right. I mean, not not to say the Roosters aren't a real, you know, going to be a real challenge for us, but I think they've, they're maybe, maybe they'll figure it out, but right now they're, they're half a step behind the pace. I feel like yeah. they're, they're a team that is still figuring themselves out. It feels like they've got two running five apes instead of a halfback and a five ape, and that's kind of a kind of a pulling them down a little bit. They've got some, you know, just mechanical issues here and there around the puck. But yeah, it's going to be a very very good contest, no doubt. Um, Eels looking to build off a, a good Magic Round win last year. And uh, well, let's let's try to put the um, the horrors of past Magic Rounds. Well, we, we don't talk about the Melbourne Storm one, which was. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we did have a good win against. Was it the Warriors last year? Jake scored that try late in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that, that right. was a, yeah. a nice, a nice game there. Before we, before we do wrap up the podcast, there was a triple header out of Blue Bet, mate, and it feels like we did sacrifice the Jersey flag in the New South Wales Cup in order to appease the footy gods in order to get this big win in the NRL. Uh, in the flag, it was a high scoring affair, and I think the Panthers actually had us down. Uh, I want to say. 34 to 10 at one point or 34 6? No, it was probably 40. Yeah, I think 40. they got up to 40. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it was definitely, it was definitely, uh, 40 to, I think, to 10. Yeah. And then one the, the boys really surged and made it 40 to 32. Uh, obviously, defense not the focus for either team in this game, but the, you talk about constructive losses and maybe the Eels can salvage something out of this because Penrith, obviously, very good in the Jersey League. We talked about the fact that they're a top four team in the grade. Uh, and the Eels, you know, having a lot of the young guys or, or the guys who've been sort of circling as potential prospects featuring on the wing on, on the sorry try scorers list, uh, big Larry Magatutia, Terrell Williams, Dantori Louis getting a double, Corey Fenning and Ethan Sanders, and uh, Corey missing just two of his six attempts, so a pretty reasonable day on the kicking team. But unfortunately for the Panthers, they went six from seven, so you know just helping them nudge ahead there. But yeah, not not the, the worst result considering the. Logistical issues facing that grade. We've already spoken about that at length. Don't need to go back on it again in the instant reaction. And then in the cup, unfortunately, Eels going down twenty-five to eight. Pretty comprehensive beaten there by the ladder-leading Panthers. But the yeah, good, and look, still not too bad because it was two tries to one. We just couldn't kick any goals in that. Uh, two, uh, four tries to two. Uh, four well. tries to two. But yes, Sorry, uh, gonna, the fact that yeah, you, you, victory, you yeah, kick yeah. you kick a couple of goals, and obviously the margin drops to just thirteen, and you know 
uh, they scored late with Eddie Blacker there. But I suppose the encouraging sign here, Sean Russell getting over first try scorer. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the official numbers are in terms of player stats because I don't think because it's not a Fox game, we don't get them posted straight away. No, uh, but we'll we'll check back in on Monday or Tuesday, um, and then for the next podcast we can touch on it uh, in terms of that. But hopefully we see. Uh, Sean go for 100 plus metres and just get for a good solid work rate on his return to professional duties after that round one injury. Yeah, yeah but you know, even if those two teams losing and, and the struggles they've got in terms of troops and logistics right now, it just you can't wipe a smile off the face. Parramatta Eels 22, defeating the Panther Panthers 20, ending that nearly three year home streak. Uh, crazy. How many games was it? 60s? Like 30 games or something like that? Plus? You know what? You know what? It doesn't matter because when they say, how'd you go last up? Oh, we lost. Yep, exactly. And, you know, Eels undermanned, uh, you know, Tom Opicic, there's still questions about how fit he was coming back into the left centre position, did a really solid job. Hayes Perham, they picked on him early, did a really solid job. Uh, you know, we, we got troops coming back, it feels like, either every week or every other week moving forwards. So now we've got, what, just quickly taking a look at who's who's missing here. Oh, there we go, teams. We got Murata Niakore, Wanga Blake, Mike Sivo, Sean Russell, who is, you know, just working on his match fitness now. Uh, who else am I missing here, mate? Uh, I mean, Solomon and Aduki obviously will give the team a bit more depth when he gets back too. But, you know, there, there is some bona fide weapons in that group there. You know, yep. Murata, obviously, Wanga, obviously. Mike, if he can recapture, I mean, there might be a silver lining to his knee injury in that he recaptures the focus and direction and drive that he needs to go back to being 2019 Micah. So yeah, there there is some serious weaponry coming back for the Eels on the horizon. Yeah, good times ahead, mate. And uh, we launch into the weekend on the back of the yeah, win. So Couldn't be- en- enjoy it, soak it up. Let everyone know this is your chance to be that insufferable twat when it comes to celebrating a victory because we were well outside underdogs, but we uh, channeled the spirit of Rocky Balboa and uh, knocked them on their backside. And yeah, don't let anyone take that away from you this weekend. Uh, soak it all up and on that note man I think we should wrap up it's just on 50 minutes see what happens when you have a great win you just want to talk and talk and talk and prattle on but as always thanks for stopping by giving us a listen Um, these these are the best kind of podcasts honestly when you have such a win like this an iconic line in the sand sort of win you can't help but just enjoy it and I hope you guys did too we'll catch you guys in the preview podcast next week until then stay safe you mighty eels